Good morning and welcome to Laurel Heights. We promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. And it will be good for you to open your Bible to the text we will concentrate on today. And that's James chapter 1. James chapter 1. When you came in, perhaps you received this printed handout. I'll speak to the purpose of that in just a moment. If you did not get one and you'd like to receive one now, just raise your hand and uh, somebody will bring one to you. Looks like we need one right here, Victor. Thank you very much. Bible reading and Bible study to be personally valuable needs to be pursued systematically. Let me say that again and then I'll explain. Bible reading and study to be personally valuable needs to be pursued systematically. By that I mean avoid haphazard approaches. If you read a few verses in Ezekiel back in the Old Testament and then you turn over to the book of Acts and you read a few verses there without sequence, context, any connection, Bible reading and Bible study may not yield much benefit. For example, daily Bible reading we recommend is a Bible reading pursued in chronological order, chronological plan. <clears throat> you read through the Bible according to the Bible's own timeline. That's systematic. That follows a plan. Systematic Bible reading and study often eases some of the difficulty and leads to better results. Good results from Bible reading and Bible study means knowledge acquired and then knowledge activated in your life. To reach that goal of acquired knowledge and knowledge activated in life, there needs to be a good, reasonable system. Last Sunday night, I introduced this system that I have used for many years Perhaps you have used, but you've not observed it written down in this fashion. Bible study pursued through five truth perspectives. Five truth perspectives. We did this last Sunday night based on Romans chapter 1. This morning we're going to do this based on James chapter 1. You will find a copy of one of these on our website. You can download it. We sent this out with the LH update, and we'll keep some of these back there. You can pick up a few on your way out. And when you navigate through a passage in the Bible that you're reading, this may be a valuable system that you can follow. The basic idea is really simple. You read a passage and you study it through these five truth perspectives. I'm going to show you how you do that this morning. 
I'm going to use this system, and we're going to use it in James chapter 1. So, before we do anything else, what we're going to do is read James chapter 1. We're not going to read anything about James chapter 1. We're not going to think about what's prominent in our minds right now and risk reading that into James chapter 1, we're going to block everything else out. And the first thing we're going to do is just read James chapter 1. Here it is. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways." Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits." Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word 
and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's James chapter 1. Never attempt to understand what a passage is saying without paying attention to the context of that passage, the historical setting. And from that attention, you will see the main idea. So who was the writer here in James 1? Who was he writing to and what was the situation being addressed? Those are inquiries that take you into context and lead to the main idea. We sometimes call it historical setting. The original circumstance when the writing was first sent and circulated. That's what we're going to do. Starting with the writer, <coughs> James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is writing to Jewish Christians who had been scattered. It says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, Jewish Christians scattered. Now, as to their life circumstance, it appears here in chapter 1 and over in chapter 5 as well, these Christians were being persecuted, tried. Chapter 5 implies rich and powerful unbelievers were the perpetrators of this opposition to Christians. So that's the context, see. And when you look at the context, what emerges is the main idea of the passage. Though you are being tested and tried, that hardship doesn't keep you from living right. That's the main idea. Look at it in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. That's the main idea. Though you are being tested and tried and it's painful and hard, that hardship doesn't keep you from doing what's right. So by looking at the context and the information supplied by the writer, in James 1, you discover what the main idea of the chapter is. Now, as we read, did you discover any truth here about God? There's a lot here in James 1 that is truth about God. Here's one example. God is remarkably generous. He is remarkably generous. Generosity or grace from God brings 
offers and gifts and promises to us through the gospel that we do not deserve, that we've not earned. If, for example, you try to live right under pressure of hardship, that's the main idea, if you try to do that and you discover that you need help, here's what you know. You can ask God. And what does God do when His people ask? He gives generously to all without reproach. What is that? That's truth about God. Why was, how was that so easy to discover? Because we already know truth about context. James, to persecuted Christians, even though you're going through hardship, you can be steadfast and live right. Well, if you're having trouble doing that, ask God. God gives generously, and that is stated in express words down at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see what we're doing. We're not reading four verses in Ezekiel, two in Lamentations, three in Matthew, and one in James. We're following a system or a plan. We read the passage we didn't take any kind of agenda with us into it. And these truth perspectives ease us through the verses. Already, here's what we know. Under hardship, Christians can still live right and be victorious through Christ, their discipleship to Him, because God is so generous. He listens to us. He responds to His people according to his will and without reproach. Let's take the next step by asking, what does the passage say about man? I mean, man in general, human beings, anything in this passage about man? Obviously, the passage says something very different about man compared to what it says about God. God is a giving God. He's perfectly generous. From above comes to us every good and perfect gift. We can take those gifts, use them in life. But what is said about man is not favorable. Here's the word used about man. Man is capable of and many are prone to doubt. Verses 5 through 7, please. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So you have commentary on the perfection of God. You then have commentary on the imperfection of man. Man can be prone to doubt. So there's contrast here. God is perfectly generous. Man must guard against doubting. And one way you can guard against doubting is to consider ourselves 
privileged and exalted by God through the blessings that we have in Christ. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. When you think you're down, stop and consider what you have in Christ that you're living by every day and you're exalted. That's one of the ways persecuted people and people under hardship become steadfast. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. We may not be rich. Our health may be declining. Everybody in this building is getting older. Some further along. Bad things may happen we don't like or understand. Something bad may happen this week you cannot foresee today. We may be subjected to persecution in the future, greater than it is today. Yet, in all of that, men and women who are members of the family of God are exalted. And we cannot doubt or waver. We are blessed, we Christians. And the blessings we have as Christians are never reduced or canceled or diminished by the trials and hardships we undergo. James chapter 1. Man is capable of doubting, but through Christ, man is capable of recognizing his exaltation. We can be strong and faithful. We can receive good things from God without doubting and just keep on doing what's right. Now, we're at number 4. Maybe some challenge here. You may already be seeing some personal applications. If personal applications are not clear yet, just keep reading. James wants us to look at ourselves long enough to make personal applications. Starting with verse 21. Therefore... Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to announce to you this morning that the Bible is not a pair of binoculars, it's a mirror. I don't think it can be denied. Some people read the Bible and use the Bible like a pair of binoculars. Oh, I can see people over there guilty of this sin. And I read what the Bible says here. Oh, look over there. Those folks over there, they're not doing what the Bible says there. James presents God's Word not as binoculars, but a mirror. And while there is legitimate outreach to others to help them come to the Lord first, 
There is me. What does this mean to me? What does the Bible say to me and about me? What sins? What weaknesses? What negligence? What attitudes need to be rejected? What attitudes need to be developed? It's all put before me in the Bible. First use of this book, mirror, not binoculars. Then, what do I need to do? What truth is on this page I need to obey? Specifically, me. Obey specifically. While everything here is truth from God, it isn't all directly personal to me. James was the writer. He wrote to Christians who were dispersed or scattered. That's knowledge about context, and that's helpful, but there isn't anything in verse 1 for me to do if I just stay there, if I just stay with context. So look in the passage for what is direct and personal that you need to do, that I need to do, after we discover context and main idea. Listen to verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Is there anything in there for you? Anything in there for me? Put the binoculars away now. This is the mirror. Anything you need? I want you to notice that phrase. Let every person. The disciplines of verse 19 need to find a place in every person's life. My life, your life, every one of us. Let's put down the binoculars. This is a mirror and it says, let every person. Once I realize I need to pay attention to this, what I need to do is just keep reading this and I need to listen to this phrase, be doers of the word. Now, if that said, be learners of the word, it would be different. <clears throat> but it says, be doers of the word, which implies you have to read it and learn it with a view toward being a doer of the word. So once I discover truth that applies to me, I follow the God-given instructions. Be quick to hear. Maybe I need to listen more. Be slow to speak. Maybe I need to think more about what I say before I open my mouth. Maybe I should measure my words up here before I eject them here. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Could it be I need to calm down and evaluate carefully how upset I get, what I'm getting upset about, and what am I going to do about it instead of just fuming? It says, put away all filthiness, receive with meekness the implanted word. 
Make certain that your religion is individually active. And James gives examples. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Examples. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is not about some big collective enterprise we contribute to and we soothe our conscience because we sent the check in last month. Let every person, if anyone, that's James chapter 1 through 5, truth perspectives. Now, we haven't covered every verse and every phrase in James 1, but I think we know what it's about. And I think I've illustrated how simple Bible reading and study can be. How simple it can be. And the simplicity of Scripture and the availability of Scripture goes back to something we read in James 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Do you want light in your life? You'll need to use what the Father of lights gave. I don't know what all of you are going through at this point in your life. I have no such vision. I do not have the insight that the perfect teacher had, Jesus Christ. So I don't know all that might be going on. But I know that in each audience I speak to, in each person, there are temptations, irritations, anxieties, perhaps some doubt, persecution maybe in some form, worries, physical or emotional pain, dilemmas that you just can't figure out. James wrote to people who were experiencing, here's the phrase, various kinds of trials. But what did he say? What's the message of James 1? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Two things. I hope this process, maybe you have your own process. I hope this process, I hope this kind of study not only helps you, but it equips you to open your Bible. It encourages you to engage repeatedly all through the Bible and the kind of study that we've looked at today. Now, there will be passages in the Old Testament that are narrative in form. And this may not be the best way to navigate those, but didactic teaching, instructive teaching in the epistles about how to respond to the gospel and how to live right before God, even in hardships, in every kind of trial, those passages lend themselves freely 
to this kind of approach. May God bless you in your study and then in your application of his word. Let's be standing as we sing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>